There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. Today, we are thrilled to add a third voice to the spiral, and I'm sure all of you are thrilled to hear a different voice on this show. Uh, And today, we're going to be talking a little, well, a lot, actually, about happier parenting and what it means to be a happy parent. And to kind of walk us through that, we have writer and author KJ Delantonia with us because she has a new book out called How to Be a Happier Parent, Raising a Family, Having a Life, and Loving Almost Every Minute. So rather than me rattle on about it, KJ, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for our listeners? Sure, I would love to. Um, I am probably best known in the parenting concept uh, parenting context is actually where I was going with that as the former editor and lead writer of the motherload blog for five years at the New York times. If you saw it on motherload, I either wrote it or edited it. Um, and if you saw it and it had to do with parenting, there's a decent chance I had, I had a hand in it. It wasn't always obvious that it was within motherload. So I, um, was professionally steeped in the world of parenting. And I am also the parent of Four. My kids are now 12, 13, 14, and 17. When I took the motherload job, I think they were like 7, 8, 9, and 13. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, right, right there in the middle of it. <laughs> That's, that is seriously in the middle. Writing about it and living it. <laughs> wow. And you, you're based East Coast, right? Right. I actually live in New Hampshire. I, I okay. lived in New York before taking the job at the Times, but, you know, cleverly moved away before for actually getting gainful employment in New York, which was inconvenient. So, you know, there I was with four kids and, and this, I mean, this really fantastic job. Let me not deny the, the wonder that was that particular opportunity. It was a full-time job and my husband is working full-time as well. And we were, I mean, when I was doing that, I don't know, you guys, I'm sure remember, we're sort of right in the middle of this moment of, there was all this research and there were headlines and they were how having children robs parents of all joy. And my friend Jennifer Sr. wrote this great book, All Joy and No Fun, The Paradox of Modern Parenting. And, you know, we're telling researchers we'd rather do laundry than spend time with our kids. And here I am and writing about all that stuff. And I'm also writing about, you know, policy and culture and the wonderful, wonderful ways in which our, our country makes having children not at all easy. But I was editing all these essays about, you know, it was like, there were the hard, there were the obviously hard things, like the fact that school lets out at three and your job probably doesn't. And summer, don't get me started. And, you know, somehow I can't seem to find any kind of manageable, affordable daycare. That would be because there, you know, there isn't any. There, so there was that. But then there was just this tone at the time, which kind of is continuing, which is this 
that it's all a slog. The minivan is a slog, and the sippy cups are a slog, and the lunches, and, the, and we were just really focusing sort of culturally on the hard aspects of being a parent. And that was during the time specifically of the Motherload blog. Right. So what kind of led me to write a book called How to Be a Happier Parent was me looking at that scenario and living that scenario, because it's not like I was out there having this great time while everyone else was griping about it. Not hardly. And I just wanted to make that stop. I mean, you know, I, I wanted to be a parent, right? I didn't, nobody, like, fairies did not dump these children on me. There was effort involved. I, I set out to, and I, I sort of thought life would be work life and family life. And instead, everybody seemed to be looking at family, including me, as though that were work too. I felt like we could get that. I just felt like that could be better. So that spurred this. Yep. And, and the research behind it, though, obviously there was a lot of research done on the literature of, of parenting and happier parenting. Yes. But you also talked to a ridiculous number of parents. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a thousand. <laughs> well, I, I did an, an official, I, I talked to tons of parents. I did not talk to a thousand parents. I did an official research-based, peer scientist-approved social sciences study of a thousand parents, and we tried to figure out whether they would describe themselves as happy uh, and if so, what were they doing that some other parents were maybe not? Did you find patterns? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, we found patterns there. And then, you know, anecdotally, I, I found patterns in that way, too. And when I say anecdotally, I'm talking, you know, thousands and <laughs> all the essays and, and everything. I'm not, I'm not really just like, and sometimes I'm talking about my kitchen, but that's okay, too. That's, that's four. <laughs> was, was any of it? what you expected? I mean, you obviously felt there was a, an issue with this negativity because there is, but did you expect to, you know, kind of unearth what you did or was, was this a pretty surprising process for you? I would say that, that what was surprising to me, I mean, I, I set out to do it and I wanted to write about a book about getting happier and making all of this better. Um, but I don't know. On some level, I felt like, I think I felt like I was writing a book and it would be a book about research. I mean, and I was, I was writing a book, but what I didn't expect is that I actually did get happier. And I, a lot of people sort of come, they ask me, I tell them I wrote a book called How to Be a Happier Parent. And they're like, well, you were probably a pretty happy person to begin with. And I'm like, oh no, call my parents. I was the whiniest child imaginable. And then I was like the whiniest 20-year-old imaginable. And then I was like, you know, Gen X super snark. I am not by nature inclined towards, um, you know, finding the good in ordinary moments, which is something I have now learned how to do. So I would say that, you know, it sounds a little, I don't know, not exactly sure how to say that it sounds that I was writing a book, but not entirely sure that what was in it would work. And the fact that it did is... Um, <laughs> it's really nice for me. It's actually quite pleasant being out here on the happier side. A welcome change. Yes. <laughs> I think a welcome change for the people around me, too. I, I mean, I was talking about how we were in that moment where, like, everything is a slog. And let me tell you, I was, I was right there with the slog. And, um, you know, with the, you know, let's sit down and complain about our kids. And here we'll put them in the other room. We'll turn on TV and we'll talk about how horrible they are. And, you know, can we commiserate about 
the morning or, or whatever. And I once, I once had a job where I did the same thing. There was this one, I hated this job, hated everyone. And there was this one other woman and she hated the job and she hated everyone too. And we would hate everyone together. And one day I went into her office planning to hate everyone and she closed the door and she turned to me and she said, look, I've been thinking about it and I need to keep this job. So we can't do this anymore. And I was just like, oh, okay. And as far as I know, she's still there and I'm not because wisely I hated the job and I, I got out there. But that was, I think, very emotionally savvy of her she's right if you're going to keep that job and you know you you can't do that anymore and the thing about being a parent is i'm going to keep this job so i needed to stop with the with the with the whining not all of the whining because some of the whining (laughs) is fun but but some of the whining i needed you know there's a difference between like enjoying griping about something and really feeling negative and i would say i was really feeling negative yeah there's definitely a difference well like i mean we had a text this morning john and i did about (laughs) (laughs) yes we did i just you know how um i think it's i people are going to find it ironic that we um that man and grambling spiral is having a positivity um (laughs) proponent on (laughs) because people see this a lot as a gripe fest and i think um for us and i've noticed as my kids have gotten older and 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 i i took the quiz about chores and whatnot and actually john you and i got the same mantra did we no we did yes (laughs) it is Um, not all that surprising but is the mantra do, do you have it on you right now uh, I do. The mantra is what you want now isn't always what you want later. Ooh. I hate that one. I mean, I love <laughs> it. It's a great mantra, but I hate I hate enacting it. Yeah, that was yeah. my reaction when it popped up, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, can't I just make this easier now? It is an irony of being... So one of these sort of ironies of being a happier parent, something I've kind of had to come to terms with, or talking about being happier parents is that the way academics measure happiness in parenting or in parents. And I guess, therefore, you know, one of the things that is correlated, it goes along with being happier is you got to feel like you're pretty good at this thing. So if you feel like you're being effective, you tend to be happier. And so some of the stuff that I end up talking to people about is, is how to be effective in our parenting, even though I don't necessarily always feel effective. And, and it's not even, it's not like this is the best way to do X, Y, or Z. It's more like if you feel like what you're doing is working for your family, you're going to be happier. And that's where we run into this. What we want now isn't always what we want later, because if you, I mean, really like right at the moment when dinner is over and everyone is sort of finished and there are all these cranky children and and it's their job to clean the kitchen and your choice is stand there and nag them into keep cleaning the kitchen or just do it yourself. You know, you just want to do it yourself. I just want to do it myself. Jeez, fine. Go do your homework. Go do some, just go, just go already. But then I don't feel like I'm like getting it right. Cause I know it's wrong for four able-bodied, almost teenage children to walk away and leave their mother cleaning the dinner table. Um, and their father. So, like, like I'm happier when I do it right, even though I'm not happier at that exact moment. So, 
that to me is like in some ways the suckiest mantra, even though it is so true. And it's true about so much. It's true about homework. Yeah, geez. I mean, here, give me your homework. I'll just do it for you. Then we're both be happier. That we all know that's wrong. Oh, we've been there. <laughs> we just take oh, care yeah. of that for you. I can do addition. I'm really good at it. I can do these problems really fast. You are right though, Heather. I think it's it's gonna it's gonna seem weird. Because we're we're so unhappy. I mean, that's the perception. Well, I think. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I think we are over. We are overwhelmed a lot of the time with like this week just exploded, right? I, uh, um, Marlo, my youngest child, only has one full day of school. The rest are all half days. Parent-teacher conferences. There's. I have. I have to take them to the dentist twice this week which is a 45-minute drive uh, each way. Lita has an eye appointment that's going to last four hours, and she her eyes are going to be dilated, so she can't go back to school. And there's dance lessons and piano lessons, and I have uh, several appointments that I have to keep. And it's looking at that and trying to stay in the moment, knowing that all of that has to happen. I think you and I, John, deal with, like, there, there are moments where we're like, when does, when does this stop? When does right. this, like, we, we feel like we're in a hamster wheel and it's like, I, I, so, so I do try to like stop and dance in the kitchen with my kids and I've been a lot better. Um, just because I, I think about my own upbringing in a very strict Southern household and I had to do chores. There was a list of chores. I had to do my own laundry, you know. And so I'm, there's something about our generation in terms of like making our kids take care of themselves because it's so much easier for us to do it for them. And then when you ask them to do it, you're like, oh my gosh, they, oh, I just asked them to fold their own clothes and it, oh, it's so hard. And it's like, what, what the fuck am I thinking? Right. <laughs> it's okay. They should know how to fold their own clothes. And like even last night, I had them put them in the in the laundry. Like I had them do their laundry. I actually had them pour the laundry soap and all of that, which is ridiculous. She's 14 years old. This should be like standard <laughs> practice for her. But in trying to tr- trying in trying to balance the the crazy schedule of the week, you're like, okay, I'm just going to do the laundry because I can't. There's not one more thing I can juggle. And I think we need to sort of like take a step out of the hamster wheel and and try to figure out, okay, how can we bring about more happiness in these crazy moments? Yeah. And I, I mean, I love that you are dancing in the kitchen, but I just want to say that one of the, when I, when I went into this project, one of the things I thought about was, well, I'm going to write about a book about making parenting more fun. So like I made a list of, you know, fun things like roller coasters and pulling taffy and dancing, dance parties in the kitchen and all these things we could do that would make parenting more fun. And I wrote part of a proposal and I just looked at it and it was going to be one of those, like do a new thing every month to make parenting more fun. And, and I just wanted to cry. Because I didn't want to do any more things. I'm already yeah. doing, I'm doing so many things. All I want is to make the things that we are already doing not feel, not, not hurt, you know? Like yeah. that, that was all I wanted. And that was what I was looking for. So, you know, and some of that was practical and some of that was just looking at stuff differently. Yes. Not that dancing in the kitchen isn't great. 
And I do it occasionally, but I'm not like going to put it on my schedule. Right. <laughs> right. Please don't put that on my schedule. <laughs> then I really won't want to do it. But it is, it's an interesting, you know, the mantra that we both got because, you know, kind of now that you've recapped what you're facing for the week, Heather, it's, it's this idea that in the moment it is easier to just do the laundry or do the dishes or, you know, do the math homework because at that moment it's easier, but I think it, it gradually piles up and it almost, I don't even know if bitter is the right word, but it almost makes you bitter because then you look back and you're like, man, I'm doing, I'm doing everything. Why? Well, I just, you feel like things are out of whack, you know, because you do a little right. and you do a little more and then you do a little more. And the next thing you know, you're just like, there's just something's not, like, this is just not sitting well with me. I'm feeling like all of my days are spent in serving these mm-hmm. children. Yes. And, and I mean, that's not great. Like they're looking at me and I have a, a friend who told me recently that her daughter uh, is crying at the idea of applying for college. And I'm like, you're says she is not the only one. Like I'm hearing this again and again, they don't want to leave. And really, would you want to leave? If I came to your house and drove you to all kinds of fun things and clapped while you did them and then did your laundry and cooked dinner for you, you'd be like, yeah, no, I'm staying. This is awesome. So it's so funny because we want them to, you know, we want to have a wonderful life together. And yet we also want to raise them into future adults and like but we don't want that to be like the game like no we're just trying to get to the end of this road because we don't want to get to the end of the road right this is a good road so it's this weird i don't know it's just a lot that goes into it yeah it's not just it's not just like let's be happier i mean it is but there, there's there's a lot to it yeah i as i mentioned before we started recording i am as all of our listeners know typically I prefer to think of it as a realist, but a pessimist in some eyes. (laughs) Um, But I think a change like this is, it's not like a switch. Like all of a sudden tomorrow, everything is just, it's happier. You're there and it's great. It's a process, right? It's brain training. It really is. And some of it is really genuinely, it's really genuine neuroscience that our brains are trained to focus on the negative stuff. Um, And and we're, we've evolved to focus on the negative stuff. It's more important to see a threat than it is to know which berries are slightly more delicious than other berries. So, you know, that's in there. Like, that's in all of us. But we don't live in a particularly threatening world in that respect. Not a really threatening world. So our brains can be, like, taught not to go down... In particular, not to go down the imaginary threat road. I mean, we all do this. And the example I always give is, okay, this fourth grade math is not going well. And that means they're not going to put her in the advanced fifth grade math. And if you don't get into the advanced fifth grade math, you don't get to do pre-algebra while you're still in middle school. And if you don't get to do pre-algebra, then you're not eligible to geometry in eighth grade. And then you won't do calculus in high school. And then you'll never go to Harvard and you're going to end up living in a dumpster. Yeah. Um, that's like people, that's a really common spiral, (laughs) but when we, we do that spiral around like everything. So we're living out these whole imaginary, horrible, imaginary futures for our kids that aren't happening now and will probably never happen later. And, you know, can I just add that the upshot of that, that whole calculus Harvard track is quite possibly 
a, a fantastic job at a consulting firm where you will be miserable and work 80 hours a week until you figure out that what you really wanted to do is woodworking. So, you know, but maybe they should just woodwork and have done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are we drive? So many of us have had those jobs and not wanted them. And yet, you know, we'd really like our kids to have the option is what we say. We just want them to have the option. Um, I don't know. We get really worked up about stuff that's not happening. So to train your brain not to go down those roads when they're not happening, I think we we really firmly believe that if we imagine all the bad things, they won't happen. And, and unfortunately, I, I'm pretty sure that it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Probably not. But I then don't you think live... there's any evidence of it. Yeah. Right. You're... But then you live miserably because you're anticipating all of the bad things. Yes. I'm, I'm spectacular at that. I, and that's, I mean, that has improved so much for me just in the sheer stopping. I think of it as like the mental fidget spinner. So stopping that mental fidget spinner and then trying to redirect it at, you know, no, I mean, yeah, it's pouring and I have ice on my leg because I hurt myself the other day. And, um, you know, I, I know for sure one of my kids is going to come home because they're too unhappy about their homework or whatever, but Really, this is a good day. Like nothing, nothing overtly bad, overtly bad things happen, right? I'm going to get, I mean, we all get the phone call. Um, but right now that's not happening. So I should be feeling pretty good. And if I'm not, when am I? Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes, and, and Heather and I have talked about this, uh, quite a bit and, and I'm sure it, it happens for, for co-parents as well, but with single parents, especially, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of. I think you naturally just do this mental recap, like this went well, this didn't go well, just kind of in your own head. And, you know, the ideal would be to arrive at that situation that overall today was a really good day. Like all things considered, it was really positive. I think, and maybe it varies per person, but I think there's a huge value in taking that out of your head and talking through it. So, you know, in, in your case, KJ, maybe it's with your husband kind of recapping like, well, th these three things were really frustrating, which yeah. you could call it whining or complaining or bitching or what, however you want to refer to it. But I, I don't necessarily see it as, as a negative complaining thing. It's almost like you need to say it out loud and get it out of your brain to look at it and say, yeah, okay. So those things happened, but overall a good day. Yeah. It's that second part that's key. I mean, I actually did say to him the other day when I was out of town for work and, and we were talking on the phone and about the second night, I said, we have to find something to talk about when one of us is out of town besides how horrible our children are. Because um, that's all it would that's all it ever is, is one of us calling the other and going, and she didn't do this, and he didn't. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you got to get to that. But overall, but overall, it was a pretty good day. Um, if you can get there, I think I think it's all... It's just better. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I believe it. I just, it's the, it's the getting there. That's. You could just say it, you know, you don't have to feel it to start with. I think. <laughs> so yes. So yesterday we, we all three had to go to the dentist and my kids had been with their father. Um, he, he flew out from New York. They had a fall break and he took them to one of the national parks here. One of the five glorious national parks in Utah and brought Marlo Lita had school yesterday. Marlo did not. So he brought Marlo to the dentist. And he, we've been to the same hygienist now for since Lita was, you know, four years old. And 
um, we were, we're all standing there and talking about how good my kids are. And because, oh yeah. And like my hygienist was like, no, really listen, I deal with kids all the time. And you two are just like, unlike you're, you're very, very, very unique. Like they're very polite. They're very friendly. They genuinely ask, you know, how are you doing? And my ex pop, you know, he piped in and he's like, you know, back East people comment about them all the time to him. Like, your children are so well behaved. Like, it's just incredible how well it's like such a stark difference to some other children. And I sat there and I was like, I I really, really like I, I do recognize it. But I need to recognize it more just how much they show up. And yeah. like, yes, like yesterday, when I I was just like, you know what, go fold your go, go, go downstairs, go do the laundry and then fold it. And they <laughs> they raced downstairs to be the one to pour in the the laundry soap, Aww. and then and then when it was time to put it in the dryer, they both raced downstairs because there's something very satisfying about taking dryer lint out of the dryer. You know, I'm, I'm with there, them there. there. Totally I mean, is. it's not like I would volunteer, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that and job. So, if that's if it's that or something else. They didn't complain. They were fine. It was they fed the dog, and I was like. I have to give them more, like I have to trust in them more. And I think by trusting in them more, that will make the, 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 the process of me being overwhelmed will calm that down. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think it would. And, you know, we just have to, to spot those things. Like I, I, my kid was, he was, we were, we were actually picking pumpkins in our garden. Cause yes, we live in the country. And, and he has a wheelbarrow full of pumpkins and it's the last wheelbarrow and he wheels it back to the porch. And, uh, you know, the idea is he's going to put the pumpkins on the porch and I was still doing something. And I look up and the wheelbarrow is just parked by the porch. And I thought, oh, well, of course he didn't like finish the job. You know, I'm going to have to go get that wheelbarrow and put it back and uh, put it back. And I'm sort of, and I look up about two minutes later. And the wheelbarrow is gone because he was just putting the pumpkins on the porch and he did finish the job without being asked. And I just, yeah. And you got to, yeah, treasuring that. And also, I mean, that's, those are the moments when you're like, and I, you know, I won't always be in charge of these people and I won't always have to be in charge of these people. And therefore I can sort of let them be their own people in the world and not feel such a, like this, I think some, a lot of our stress and unhappiness comes from just needing to, feeling like we need to control their experience. Honestly, feeling Uh like we need to keep them happy. Yes. It's part of why we get unhappy. And, you know, the truism that you can't be responsible for anybody's happiness, but your own, it applies to your kids. And we, we realize that you do not want to raise children who have never been unhappy. You just don't. Like, that would be the world's worst college roommate, right? <laughs> Never so much as lost a balloon. It would be horrible. But yes. in the moment, and this comes back to that mantra, of course we don't want them to be ha- unhappy. I don't want you to be unhappy. But, yeah, sometimes I, I actually do. Maybe when I'm not watching or something. Yeah, that's what makes this so hard we've we've said that to well i've said that to john a few times like i'm raising my children to be like 
a comfortable person to live with in college. There you go. (laughs) A suitable college roommate. Like you don't want a college roommate who's never loaded a dish in the dishwasher. You you do not want. Yeah. yeah, No. What? I I, I put it in the sink. That's not all you do. Well, the, the big hurdle though is to get over the, is to acknowledge that if it's done wrong, like the worst thing that happens is really not that bad. So, you know, mm-hmm. with the pumpkins, like, so the wheelbarrow doesn't get put back. Right. Okay. It should have been put back, but in the long run, nothing, nothing terrible is going to happen. If you you know do a load of laundry without putting any detergent in, you have to run another load of laundry, but all things considered, it's fine. Yeah. Just last week and, and my son is 14, so plenty old enough to, to do dishes and to do them well. And he did a bunch of dishes because I don't have a dishwasher and half of them were, they could have been done better. And it was, it was frustrating to find it when I went to put them away, but I just needed to rewash them. It took 10 minutes, but he, he still had to do that entire sink full of dishes. So he put in the time, he put in the effort. It wasn't that he wasn't trying to do it well. He just didn't do it well that time and we'll do it better next time. But it's kind of acknowledging that in advance and saying there's a really good chance that even though I'm handing off this task, I'm still going to have to do the task. It's yeah. hard to let that go. Well, see, this is such a great conversation, and we don't have this conversation. Like, we don't, you don't have this with your people very often because you don't want to go be bragging on your kids, right? That, that doesn't feel right. And it's just not typically how we talk about our kids. Typically, we talk about, you know, the things that they aren't getting right or the, unless either that or you're that parent. Oh, you know, <laughs> have you heard that Billy made the, you know, <laughs> like you don't want to be that parent. And yet, um, you know, it'd be, it's nice to sort of spend a little time on the, on the good stuff that they're doing, which also makes you feel like you're, you're doing some good stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you raised a kid who can do a sink full of dishes, maybe not perfectly, but Hey, that's okay. Right. He's, he's got time. There'll be other sinks full of dishes. Exactly. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, one of the questions in the quiz that I took, and we'll um, put a link up to, to your quiz for sure, because what it does is it generates a, parent, a parenthood mantra. Is that what you're calling it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. I couldn't. It had to be something. Secrets, yeah. hacks. <laughs> I don't know. I call them mantras because I do. I literally really do wander around going, oh, what do I want now? Not what do I want later? <laughs> or or my, my most common one at the moment is you don't have to go in there because I have 
one child that is all uh, has is she feels all the feels all the time at the moment and I can't feel all the feels it's just too tiring exactly <laughs> well one of the questions was you know what what in the afternoon or whatever something about um I I picked the option of the idea of driving around for hours at a time with my kids after school is the thing that stresses me out the most. I knew yes. you would pick that as soon as I read that. <laughs> like I almost like hit my yeah. head on the monitor. Like I was like, Oh, that's me because it's the, I never, uh, when my kids were younger, like I, I heard about all these parents getting their kids into activities and whatnot. And the, the chauffeuring. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm not ever going to be that parent. Oh, hell. Oh, hell. Yes. Like the driving, the driving is what is going to drive me over the edge. And so I've consciously tried to make driving with them more. And like we, I try to like, especially when I'm alone with my older daughter, I try to turn it into like the time that we share together talking about school and relationships and boys and that sort of thing. And to get her to open up. And when I'm with my younger daughter, I play the music that she wants to listen to. But my older daughter came to me and said that she wanted to add another dance practice a week. And a dance practice is an hour and 15 minutes, and it's 45 minutes each way. Of course, yes. Yeah, she wanted to add another one to the week. And and she was... It was it was something that she had been wanting to ask me for a long time, knowing that driving really, really stresses me out, and... I said, let me think about it. And I thought to myself, and I thought about what my therapist would say to me. And my therapist is like, Heather, it will put you in the grave. There's no way that you can take another three-hour block out of your the, the nighttime routine and driving. It'll drive you crazy. So I went to my kid, and I was like, I will gladly pay for the lesson. You are such a good kid. You've earned the lesson, but you have to find a way there. You have a bus pass. It's a prepaid bus pass. There's a bus stop there. There's a bus stop here. Find a carpool. If you can get yourself there, you can take the class. That's and, great. And I, <laughs> I had to work great. up to I it. Hope it has yeah, well, no, I would too. I would too. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I love you, but you know that that would basically mean that I'm gone every day after school for three hours. So yeah, driving you. And your sister. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so, all four of my kids play hockey. And like, I shouldn't even have to keep going. But, Elizabeth <laughs> is now, but my oldest is, is 17, so he can drive himself. But, you know, it hasn't been always the case. And yeah, the, the upshot of that is that there is, we actually do, have Fridays where nobody has a practice. And because of the age there, all the practices are basically at dinner. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to be, you know, there's nothing to be done about that. I get, I've got, got, you know, an extra ride for one of them once a week. And we also live, we live half an hour away from everything and we live, there's, there's not an easy way to, there's no bus, darn it. Anyway, but so, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you on the driving and there's a, you know, the things you can do are what you did. Yes, you can go. You've got to get a, a ride or just, you know, no, not this year, which in some mm-hmm. cases is fine. And and also sometimes it's just, I've decided to do this thing for you. 
and I'm not going to make either of us miserable about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's because if you're going to do it anyway, <laughs> yeah, doing it while slamming the door and sort of, and, and believe me, I have been, I mean, I, that, that's so, that's so me. I do want to say that, I mean, I, you were saying you didn't think you'd end up in that role is that a lot of people don't think they will. And I didn't think they will. And, I, and in some ways I'm like, Come on. it's one activity each, but mm -hmm. well, A, there's four of them, but B, sports and activities have ramped up since we were a kid. 100% yes. totally. If you are looking, if you're a parent and you're sitting there and going, I played soccer when I was little and I don't remember it being this big a deal. You are right. <laughs> Thank you. It was not. And dance was not. I mean, now Thank it's you. like there's the extra classes and you could join the, 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 I forget with, a, with dance. It's like, you know, the house team. And if you're mm -hmm. on the house team, you get the special jacket. But if you're not, you don't. And, you know, when, by the way, we're offering this special edition bonus pitching practice on Saturdays in the morning from seven to eight or whatever. It's, it's, there's all this stuff around it. It costs more and it takes more time and it's a much bigger deal. And some of it is because some of us will pay for it. And then the rest of it is sort of end up getting gamed into it. It's really almost impossible to resist. And it costs so much. <laughs> I feel like it, it almost comes down to you gave that sort of that spiraling example of if they don't do well in fourth grade math, they're not going to yep. end up in Harvard, basically. And oh, I yeah. think we do that with the sports and the activities, too. Right. I mean, you know, you would you would play football or hockey or soccer or take dance and it was fun. And that's why you did it. You hung out with your friends and, you know, maybe you were good at it. Maybe you weren't great, but you liked it. But now I feel like everything is so focused on you're going to, you're going to have to get a scholarship in this. You're going to go right. on and this is going to be your career. Like it's not, it's no longer just a, like a casual fun thing. And some people still treat it that way, but I think the whole setup has just been ramped up. Yeah. Enough people don't treat it that way that it becomes really hard to treat it that way. You know, cause you end up with your kid and they're like, well, I mean, but everybody else is getting the extra pitching or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Everybody else is joining the team. And it's not like they're saying everybody else is smoking marijuana. You know, it's, <laughs> it's everybody else is doing this additional piece of this happy, healthy thing that I love. And that's, it's hard. It's hard to say no to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's just enough people out there taking it too seriously. And, you know, in case anyone was wondering, no, your kid is not going to get an athletic scholarship. And if they do, it won't be a full ride. And I, I know the numbers. And it's pretty much safe for me to just look at any human being on the planet and say, no, that's not happening. <laughs> you know, they're not going to play D1. None of my kids will play hockey in D1 hockey in college. One of my daughters might conceivably play on a hockey team in college, but she won't be having a scholarship. It's not going to get her there. It, you know, and honestly, hockey for girls is about the best odds of that sort of thing. But that's not why we're doing it. <laughs> Because <laughs> really, <laughs> if it's not fun, I mean, the whole, these are supposed to be fun. That's mm -hmm. kind of what kills me. And, you know, kids will say that their least favorite part of an activity like that is the ride home. Because mom and dad, they have tips, commentary, ideas on like how you did, how you danced or how you played or whatever. And I, I you know, some kids have said they quit because of that. And it's all coming back to this, like, I could have been a contender. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's, it's crazy. We get really, we get really wrapped up. I read a study recently that said men whose sons play 
I'm 99% sure it was football. There's a small chance that it was soccer. Like when their kid is out there doing well, their testosterone goes up. <laughs> and when Look. their kid is not doing well, guess what happens? It's just like, oh, you know, we all knew that. You didn't really have to study it. But yeah, now we really know. It's 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 funny you say that because I'm not a sport. I don't watch sports. I've never played team sports. It's just never been my thing. But years ago, my son, he was probably nine or 10 and he took swimming and he, he has the build and the potential to be a really strong swimmer. And I, I totally became that parent who had all those tips afterward (laughs) and I don't swim. So (laughs) what do I know? (laughs) But so I gave him all these tips. And then at one point he was maybe six months into his lessons I was in the pool with him and had the opportunity to swim and I swam two laps and I thought I was going to (laughs) die. And I told him afterward, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I will never talk to you about swimming again because that is way harder than I remember it being. But it's really easy to look at your kid. I mean, you see your kid as a reflection of yourself and that's ultimately what happens. Like somehow if he's really good at swimming, then I'm, I don't know. I've done something well when really I haven't. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so, and if, and if most of those parents had to do that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say anything. No. And it is, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, that's hard not to get caught up in it. I've, I've, I have definitely, we, my husband and I have both been caught up in it to a certain extent. And some of it is just, you know, getting experience as a parent. At this point, my kids have been playing hockey for so long and they all love it and they do it because they want to. I don't, I, it doesn't matter to me. Um, whatever they could do something else they could do something else tomorrow it does and one of them we're kind of surprised is still playing but is still at it and i have been the parent of the best child on the team and i have been the parent of the best, worst child on the team neither of those is a great place to be like it's actually it's not great for the kid to be either of those but most of all i've also been the parent of the child who broke their leg playing multiple times so now i know that really all I want out of that hockey game is everyone to, you know, get back on the bench when they're oh when it's done and do the, you know, handshakes with the other team and come off the ice healthy and happy and play another day. So I recently went to um, parent teacher conferences for my 14 year old who's a freshman in high school. And she goes to probably the most academic high school, public high school in the state. There is the uh, interbaccalaureate program the ib program there's mm-hmm. this the ap program and all of, they're called elpers elpers all the extended learning program kids who sounds took, more fun than it is yeah it? Elpers? They, i they was thinking the, elves but okay all the kids who took all the advanced classes in like fifth sixth and seventh grade all of them are sort of funneled into this school and the reason i wanted her to go there not only do, do we live in the boundaries now but she's a smart kid and middle school was very frustrating for her because she was surrounded by kids who didn't want to learn. Mm -hmm. So now she's surrounded by a ton of kids who are super academic, but I went in and she's in an honors math class already, which is astounding to me because she had a tutor in fifth grade math and she's doing really, really well. And the teacher showed me this test that she had taken. And she said, you know, she missed a ton of questions, but most people did because the it was very weird how everything was worded. But here's, you know, you know, she's doing really well. She's got an A minus in the class and, you know, and she's like, you know, she's doing well. She's not she's not at the top of her class, but, you know, she's she's doing fine. And 
I took the paper from the woman and I said, I don't know if you hear this a lot, but I'm just going to tell you that I'm glad she's not. And because I was and I was a miserable human being. And if, if my kid can enjoy herself, can enjoy being 14, that's all I want. Is she learning? Good. Is she having fun? Better. Yeah. Yeah. Is she having good fun? Like, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) is she having fun? The the, the right fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You don't want that kid that's sort of panicked if they lose a point on something. Uh, Oh yeah. They feel like, you know, the expectations and, and I mean, I have a kid applying to colleges right now, and personally, I went to Kansas State University, so I have no, I don't really have a dog in the, like, fancy college fight, but I'm watching, you know, my oldest and all of his friends do this, and there is no, like, there's no, we all were kind of raised in a climbing gym, like, you could find the next handhold and figure out the next thing and kind of predict where you could end up. Our kids are on a cliff face. There's not a, an obvious way into any fancy school you could name. Uh, you could have done, you know, all the things. And so many kids have done all the things. And it's still, see, my point is that you really don't want a kid who is wedded to the idea of any of that. Because no matter how, you, it's not, you could, you could work as hard as any human being could possibly work and have as much talent as any human being could have and still not get, you know, college A. And, or maybe not even A, B, C, D, or E. You just, right. it's a really crazy, it's, it's, it's not at all what any of us, it's just, it's different. Mm-hmm. So we don't want our kids to really be putting some sort of high crazy value on that stuff because it's not something they can, you know, you always want to have a goal that somebody else controls and a goal that you can control, at least as an adult. Like, that's my sort of, you know, every year I'm like, I'm going to try to name three things that I would like to achieve, but that I can't, like, I can't control whether or not someone publishes my book, but I can control whether or not I finish my book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want, you want your kids' happiness to rely on things that they can control, <laughs> like really control. Well, I remember... So I, you know, I graduated valedictorian and I had a super high GPA and I had great test scores and I I got a full scholarship to the college of my choice. But then I remember in the just even a couple of years after I got in, like the level of kid entering the school, their test scores were like they had perfect test scores. They weren't getting full scholarships. And the level of getting into that school today, it's almost impossible to even get in. Right. And and I, I remember thinking, okay, so I did all that I did and I was a miserable human being. So what can I do? I remember do, and I this is one of the best decisions I ever made was I I got her a college fund that I started putting into when she was born. And by the time she goes to college, she will have enough tuition to go to the University of Utah, which is one of the best schools. It's like it's got an amazing medical school, an amazing law school. It's it's really, really good. And I have an, she will have enough tuition to pay for that without having to scramble for scholarships. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And and that's part of the, but that was sort of my strategy for making sure that she enjoys being Mm -hmm. in high school she has good memories of high school and I think the stress of her is more 
you know, the teenage moody, I, I really like this person, but I don't know if he likes me back. And I, there's something that I really, really love about being able to talk to her about those things. And that brings me a lot of joy. I'm right. recognizing that. Like, that makes you, me you, happy. It's, yes, I think some parents might feel like, oh, what I really want is the kid who obsesses about their grades and really cares because <laughs> my kid, you know, just doesn't think it's as important as it is. And really, you know that, no, you don't necessarily want that. You know, you, that's not something to, to hope for, for your yeah. kid. You want a kid who can keep, I mean, you, you want a kid who cares because it does matter. Um, and we're, you know, we're not going to support them into their old age, but <laughs> you, you don't want a kid who's obsessed with that. Yeah. It's a tough balance though, to make sure that you, you let them know about the doors that are out there Yes. without kind of ushering them in one direction. So they have, I think, and I think you mentioned it earlier, KJ, like that opportunity, which isn't yeah. necessarily for one, it's not guaranteed for another, you might you know, work like crazy all the way through high school and get into, you know, university a and within a semester realize this is not at all what you want to do because exactly. all the prep work you did to get there, you were like 12 to 18 years old. And you don't know anything when you're 12 to 18 years exactly. old, no. you just don't. And I think it's, but it's hard as a parent to realize, I, I mean, it was really eye opening for me because you, you have this idea. Everybody does that. You, you go through senior year, then you go to college, then you, you know, there's this specific track, but it's not like if you don't follow that, all of these doors close. I mean, my, my dad went back and got his master's degree, his bachelor's and his master's degree when he was in his mid fifties. Really? So you can always, like, there's always an opportunity to, to go back to that door and revisit it. No, maybe, maybe you're not going to go back to Harvard when you're 40, but I don't know. I just... It's it's hard though to acknowledge that as a parent and to it say really maybe is. they're going to turn left for five years before they realize they want to turn right and that's okay. Yeah, I, it's really, really, really hard. And you know, we all had the family member or the friend who you know graduated from college and took a job driving a van uh, for the ski resort at Vail so they could ski. And or, you know, who did that after high school and maybe they left and went back to college and maybe now they own the bus company and maybe they're still driving and, you know, that's where they are. And we all sort of are like, well, and that was fine. That's great. That's what he did. But then when it comes to our own kids, it's that's really hard. And yeah. then you also touched on this fact that it's really hard to balance. I think your grades are important with but they're not the most important thing with. But they're way more important than, you know, completing that Netflix show that you're trying to watch. Right. With, but I don't want you to stress if you, like, you know, got a 99 instead of a 100 on that test or even a 79 instead of an 80. Like, if that's the – all I want you to do is do your best. But I also want – yeah. I mean, that's it is a tightrope. It really is. Well, and I think you mentioned it earlier, and I – I know you you kind of identify four things, and I don't remember where I saw this list, but four... Four things happier parents do? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, it exists. And the very first one on there is kind of pulling back from real heavy involvement and fostering that independence. And I yep. think you you get to this, or you, you should be able to get to this certain point where you just automatically, where, where that shift has happened enough, where you acknowledge and say, well, they're going to be independent and do this. Maybe it's not the decision I would make but I've raised them to be independent in a, in a specific way. And they're going to be trial and error. I mean, that's life. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you probably 
could coddle and manage a kid into some definition of academic success in particular. You know, you could, you could insist and you could bring in the tutors and you could micromanage the schedule and you could, you know, sit down and be the tutor yourself if, if you know the things that they're trying to learn. Like, but then you end up with a kid that probably can't do anything else unless you're coddling and managing their way through it. So yeah, happier parents, what they do is they move from greater involvement when kids are little. So people whose kids are young and are pretty happy tend to be on the more like, yeah, let's see what you got for homework. Okay, you know, here, here's where you can sit. Here's your pencil. Like they, they tend to be a little more involved. And then as their kids get older, they're stepping back. They're letting them take the lead on a lot more things. Letting them take the lead. I think that's important to emphasize for sure. Yeah, and it's it's and it's huge. And I don't want to pretend it's it's easy because, you know, speaking as someone whose kids applying to college, it's not, and it hasn't been. I mean, you know, you watch your kid go through the junior year, year, and everybody's talking about, oh, this is the really important year, and you're sitting there, and you can see they're not studying their Spanish. They're watching another episode of Parks and Recreation, and man, <laughs> keeping your mouth shut is really, 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 really hard. You know, and trusting that they are somehow finding the appropriate balance between parks and recreation and studying for Spanish. And there is a balance to be found there. I mean, you can't study all the time. But yeah, trusting that they're finding it, especially if maybe their grades don't reflect what you think that maybe a proper balance there would have reflected. It's hard. It's really hard. Oh, yeah. But you have, to, you have to feel like, you know, you want your kid to get out sort of knowing... Well, okay, when I when I put more weight on parks and recreation than Spanish, this is the result. Like you want them to find that out now, not, you know, later when they're putting more weight in parks and recreation than getting whatever their spreadsheets are done and then they're getting fired. I mean, better even in your junior year to find it. Better mm -hmm. probably in eighth grade, but um, yeah, some kids are just not going to figure that out that early, no matter how much you leave them alone or don't leave them I alone. I can definitely agree with you there. That would be the case. But I think it's also the real thing is not not preventing them from failing that test, but ensuring that they then realize why they failed, like what contributed to that, and that it's probably not a good goal to fail. Right. Yeah. Like if I hadn't watched Parks and Rec and I had studied, maybe I wouldn't have gotten an A, but I would have done better than failing. And that would have probably been a better choice. And I think yes. that... It's like looking farther down the line and saying, okay, you failed, but how do you feel about that? And do you recognize what to do different? And if the answer right. is yes, awesome, then you're good. Yeah. Doesn't mean it won't happen again, but. No, you know. no, it really doesn't. But, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's our goal. We really get caught up in like, you know, what I want is to have a kid who gets straight A's and you know, no, what you want is to get, have a kid who can somehow manage to get all their homework done themselves without your standing on top of them because that's who they need to be later on um also you don't want to be the homework police but that's a whole nother that's like a whole nother hour oh yeah we've <laughs> we've definitely we've definitely talked about that once or twice so at, at the end of the day i'm just i'm gonna guess there's no like there's no magic answer to this it takes no. work <laughs> i mean yeah. in a way there kind of is because it turned out that deciding to be happier and determining to try to do things to make that happen is a huge chunk. So, um, you know, we talked about like 
thinking about things differently when you have to do something, you know, if you're going to drive the kid there anyway, doing it in a, in a happier way. And then there's also just this sort of, all right, what dumb little thing in my life is making me crazy right now? Well, and for Heather, it was, you know, I can't drive you one more place, but you can ride the bus. So that's like not solving her whole problem of driving everywhere. It's just one thing. I, um, and to sort of look at the morning or whatever and realize that, you know, the one thing that's problematic for you is that you have to wake the child up and the child yells at you every time. This has definitely been something. And then you buy an alarm clock uh, and you try that and maybe that doesn't work. But, um, you know, just trying things to fix, to yeah. fix some of these little things is, is cool, too. But a lot of it's just thinking differently. I was, I was um, coming home from dropping kids off at school and also meeting somebody in town, and I wanted to run into the mini co-op, which is the little grocery store, and get some chips to eat in the car while I drove home. <laughs> and I was in kind of a hurry, and I went in, and I tried to use my phone to pay, and you can't use your phone if it's under $5, so I had to leave the chips, and I ran out to my car, and I got my money, and when I came back in, someone else had gotten online, which is fine, there's only one place, and the, the person in front of me was much older and she was having some trouble finding her credit card you know and, it was, and I literally stayed and the truth is I was in a hurry because I had a phone call um but I'm just standing back there going I'm not I'm really not in a hurry I'm a little late for the phone it's not a big deal like and I can get all worked up back here it's not going to make any difference and the poor lady you know I'm just I'm not in a hurry I'm just repeating to myself I'm really I'm really not I'm really okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But I'm trying, you know, just really hard. And finally, the cashier actually looked up and looked at the lady because it's really going on. And she's like, I'm just going to take this other person and let her have her popcorn. And, and I got so I was rewarded for my, my pay. I'm sure if I'd been back there stomping and huffing, she probably wouldn't have done it. But, um, right. Yeah. So that was just me trying to think differently about you know, and just not get like, you could leave, you could let that kind of thing ruin your whole day. And I have, that's how I know. Oh yeah. I have to. So that mindset shift is really like, it's ridiculously the, the useful. It. Yeah, it really is. But there is no secret. You're right. And none of it is easy. And also none of it works all the time. Sometimes I still get upset. But there's hope slow. even for a there's pessimist like hope. me. There's hope even for a pessimist like you. I'll take it. That that works okay. for me. Good. Well, KJ, this has been great. Oh, it's yeah. been this is awesome a... to get a different perspective and and learn more about your book and your research. And I'm gonna give it a shot. <laughs> okay. See what I can do. <laughs> you know, almost. It'll be remember? it's a process. Or happier. You don't have to be happy. You just have to be happier. Mm -hmm. Happy. -er. Focus on the er, John focus on the er that's yeah. that should be my mantra that might be focus your mantra. on the er yours is special only for you focus on the er <laughs> well thank you guys this was really fun yeah absolutely thank you and again for all of our listeners the book is out now uh, i imagine everywhere that you can find amazing books it is called yep. how to be a happier parent raising a family having a life and loving almost every minute and if you're like me you can get it and focus on the er <laughs> it'll be great 
And you should definitely check out KJ's website and follow her on social. KJ, I will let you plug those, but okay. I think it'd be great to get those out there. It's kjdelantonia.com or howtobeahappierparent.com. And I have the fortunate internet ac- accident of a good name, which is that if you sort of just start trying to spell KJD, and then you, you'll probably, I'll probably pop up because there aren't that many. So that's kind of nice. And I'm K- at kjdelantonia on Twitter at KJDI on Instagram where I don't do very much and most of it's about chickens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find and happy to be here. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. And we would always, we'd love to hear from you um, if you have tips for becoming a happier parent as well or if you've, if you've experienced a transformation and have embraced the err. <laughs> um, you can reach us stories at managramblings.com and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Man of Ramblings. And until next time, I think one of the themes that we touched on here was let it go, let it go. <laughs> I had a really hard time not making that a mantra. Partly because of the earworm. The earworm is just a real problem for me. And now I'll have it all day and I'll leave it to you. Oh, really no, I'm sorry. I'm terrible. <laughs> all will. I'm terrible. Thank you. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.